anyway, moving on to the article, mate. So I got yes. you to write an article recently because I'm trying to put together the Aussie English magazine. So, mm-hmm. you know, spoiler alert for everyone. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Give it a plug. Get as, get as much info about it as possible. Yeah, well, I'm working away on a few things. But I guess the thing at the moment is that I want to get... Um, a nice, interesting magazine about Australia that's also English learning resources. And so that yep. was why one of the, I would love to cover Australian wildlife, you know, history, culture, news and current affairs, stuff like that. And you were one of the first people to come to mind when it came to um, wildlife and obviously beautiful photos that would make the magazine look a lot better and hopefully sell better. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I, I sat down and thought, how can I um, harass Ross to, you know, throw me a, a vine branch? <laughs> and um, we we came to the idea of talking about Australia's most venomous snakes, right? And but whether or not it's a sort of accurate stereotype that gets thrown around. I mean, I'm not sure if it's one of those things that people like um, the crocodile hunter were ever responsible for. I think it's probably, you know, Americans caught onto our science and then just took it, took it from there. But I got you to write this article. Um, so I've sort of gone through it and, and put in key questions here to cover it. Mm-hmm. To start with, why does Australia have so many venomous snakes? Um, probably because it's a very, very large continent and we have just about every habitat type that you can imagine in Australia. So deserts, rainforest, coastal dunes, swamplands, wetlands, like we've, we've got it all. So a country with such a vast array of habitat types, you're going to get a lot of species then taking advantage of those different habitat types. And because we have so much space in Australia, a lot of those species can be isolated to one region because of whatever whatever habitat that they prefer or geographical boundaries such as mountain ranges or, or anything like that. So you'll get all these species then taking advantage of those, those, those niches and those different prey types. And over time, they become different species. So basically now after evolution's done its thing in Australia, um, we have, you know, over 215 species of snakes in Australia. Um, Add another 15 or 20 to that if you want to count subspecies, which are, you know, potentially halfway through that evolutionary process of becoming their own species, and they call that speciating. But basically, Australia has a lot of reptiles and, 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 and a lot of biodiversity. You know, we have over a 1,000 species of reptiles alone, and a lot of those are endemic to Australia. You can only see them in Australia, and that goes for a lot of our other wildlife as well. But there is a, with a lot of wildlife becomes, you know, a fair bit of negative stigma. And, and I think that Australian snakes are probably the most vilified out of, out of all that, followed by sharks and crocodiles. But, you know, when, when people latch on to certain pieces of information, if they want to write an article to scare people or if they want to, um, you know, get more attention, they might hype up the danger of it. So that seems to be what the media has done a lot. And especially with snakes, I see it um, every single year. Snake, snakes are on the move and there's more than last year and they're just fear-mongering every single year. And that sells newspapers and sells stories and gets clickbait for, for online activity. But what it does, it has a very negative um, impact on, A, people's fear levels. They believe that these animals are far more dangerous than they really are. Uh, and you get people that are paranoid to even enjoy the Australian bush because they've been sitting at home for their whole life hearing about how dangerous our, our 
dangerous creatures are and people that are paranoid to come to Australia because everything wants to kill you in Australia and it's really not the case. So that the essence of that article was to really sort of dispel some of those myths. It, it is funny, isn't it, right, how much we sort of pride ourselves on that kind of trope. But at the same time, if you were to say to someone, you know, put your hand up if you know someone who's been bit by a snake, spider or shark and mm. died, yes, you'd be looking around the room for a yeah. long time, I think, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Whereas yeah. if you said, Does, do you know anyone who's died from heart disease or in a car accident, you know, almost every single person's going to be like, yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Or even drowning, you know. Yeah. We, we got two people a year dying from snakes in Australia and we've got around 300 people dying just from drowning. So, you know, you've got people, parents out there that will absolutely lose their minds if they see a snake in the backyard, but they won't think twice about, you know, taking their kids to a beach or, you know, unsupervising them or not supervising them around a pool or something like that. And I really try and put that into context. There are far many more things out there that that are a danger to your health than snakes and our dangerous creatures. I always find that so interesting, right? Trying to sort of level that up. You don't shit yourself when you get in your car and drive from Geelong to Melbourne or, or around yep. all of Australia, right? But it's, yep. it's um, statistically a great deal more dangerous to do that than to probably... St- step by a snake on the ground right yeah. so yeah. It, it is it is funny how we get those kind of desensitization to one thing and massive sensitization to another thing yeah. you know I, I remember watching bondi rescue you know the tv show about um taking care of bondi beach outside of yeah. sydney yeah it seems like every single time someone died on that show from drowning it was a foreigner who yes. had just arrived in Australia, had yes. absolutely no understanding of rips and, and yep. didn't know how to swim but just went to the beach, thought it was safe. Yep. And you're like, they willingly do that with no second thought and yet yep. they're crapping themselves about snakes or sharks or uh, you yeah. know crocodiles when drowning is obviously all of those animals combined is yeah. killing way more people, right? Yes, exactly. And, and even when you compare things that are perceived as harmless, like domestic dogs kill yeah. and... A- an average of the same amount of people a year as snakes do. Um, but you don't get parents freaking out about their kid running up to a, a strange dog or, or an unfamiliar dog or anything like that where dog attacks kill just as many people as, as snakes do. So Yeah, and horses, so. right? You, you put the graph in the article about the um, yeah. animals that are most likely to kill humans. You want to talk yeah. about sort of the top contenders there? Yeah, well, what the top three in Australia aren't what are considered, actually the top four weren't considered as dangerous animals. You've got everyone coming over here and they they can't wait to see a kangaroo. Kangaroos kill, I think they were third on the list, um, just from memory. Um, You know, you've got horses and ponies at the top, about 77 people um, in a 10-year period. Yeah. Um, You've got, under that, you've got cattle. Uh, under that, you've got kangaroos. Under that, you've got domestic dogs. And then snakes came in at, like, number seven down the list. Um, and it really puts into perspective that there are other animals that, that are more dangerous to you than, than snakes are. So, and, yeah, and definitely. they're not perceived as dangerous. They're, they're the cute and cuddly things. Like, you know, no one, no one really fears dying from a cow, a horse, a kangaroo, or a dog, but they're the actual four biggest killers in Australia. Um, well, I, I wonder too with the the horses, cows, and uh, kangaroos. How much of that is car accidents versus uh, horses most, and people falling off of them? Most of it, like well, with horses, um, 
because we ride horses, obviously there's going to be a, a higher degree of horse-related deaths from actually riding the animal than, than hitting it in a car. But when it comes to cattle, um, you know, you've got farmers that are out there mustering, um, but a lot of those are people that are, that are sorry, my feed's, my field's still working. Yep. Yeah, 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 you're so good. I lost it in all, all of your background. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what I'm trying to say is um, you've got all these animals that aren't perceived as dangerous and they're actually killing more people in Australia. Uh, a lot of those would be car accidents, though. So people hitting kangaroos, hitting cattle. But then again, you've got people who, who don't hesitate to go out and drive at night, long distances on rural roads, not even thinking about the dangers and then you've got people that are paranoid to go into the bush because they might see a snake. And I guess this is what's so important about the education, right, of, of yep. people in these situations. So the next question I sort of have here is, is, is Australia home to the most deadly snakes in the world? And how is this measured? De- when, you, when you talk about deadliest and you want to define deadliest, the easiest way to do it is how many deaths are responsible from a certain species. So if we look at the eastern brown snake, which kills the most amount of people in Australia, um, you're looking at two deaths a year, um, and that's not just attributed to that snake. We might get one brown snake death, one tiger snake death, something like that. It's about two a year. So you can't really say that our snakes are the deadliest because overseas you've got snakes in India killing 50,000 people. Globally, estimates are as high as 140,000 people a year globally. So you can't say that our snakes are the the deadliest if you define deadliest by killing the most amount of people. Where the lines get blurred is there was a test done in 1979 called the LD50 test. And what they did is they got a bunch of Australian snakes, like a lot of the well-known ones. They got a few well-known ones from overseas, like king cobras and mambas and things like that. And they tested the venom on mice because we can't test on humans. So they did it. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. You 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 can do it to yourself, I believe. There's definitely YouTube channels I've seen where people envenomate themselves in order to build up immunity. But no, you can't do it wide scale. (laughs) Yeah. And and I would say to anyone listening to that, don't do that. It's very stupid. Um, (laughs) You see, that that guy ends up like ruining his life, right? His wife leaves him and his kids are like, this guy's weird. But anyway, sorry, keep going. Yeah, look, he he was probably going to find a way to ruin it anyway. He just just decided to do it with snakes. But, you know, to to get back to to the point being that... um, Actually, where was I, Pete? LD50. So, LD50, oh, LD50 I should, I should yeah. mention too that that stands for lethal dose and at 50%. So, you take like a, 100 mice and what is the dose of venom that if you gave it to all of those mice, at least half would die? Yes. What is the minimum amount that yeah. if you gave to all those animals, um, half would at least die so that's the ld50 test it was a great um way for you know scientists in in an academic setting to just compare venoms against each other using a standardized test subjects which is mice but where it falls down is that when the results for that test got publicized um what happens is when there's scientific papers released if there's anything kind of cool or or, or interesting in scientific papers, then you'll get some news news mediums doing articles on it. And that has resulted in a, a list of, you know, we have the 
the deadliest snakes in the world or the most venomous snakes in the world. And those terms aren't interchangeable for one. And I just explain all that in the article. But when you say most venomous, you're comparing those snakes, that, that venom to mice. And we, we don't have the same genetic makeup as a mouse, as most people would understand. So yes, some of these venoms are highly toxic to mice. And yes, some of those snakes are highly toxic to people. But when you start using that list to boast about how dangerous and how venomous Australian snakes are, it's quite inaccurate. Um, and it's, it's really more hype than it is any tangible facts relating to, to snake bite deaths on humans. Um, they should probably yeah, preface it with, you know, if you're a mouse, Australia is home to nine <laughs> out of ten deadliest snakes in the world, right? But I yep. think you were saying, you know, if you compare the toxicity of the venoms across, um, you know, snakes, there are four big issues, right? They're only done on, the tests are only done on mice. Mice are the preferred prey by many snakes. So obviously yep. their venom is specific to killing mice. They may be able to bite other animals and it may have a completely different effect on them. Correct. It doesn't include 600 of the world's other venomous snakes and it doesn't take into account um, venom yield of snakes as well. And then there was exactly. one I was thinking, it doesn't take into account propensity of species to fully envenomate, um, you know, defensively. So mm-hmm. although, say, taipans may be one of the, if not the venomous, most venomous snake in the world for mice, mm-hmm. how do you ever measure that when, when they bite humans? It's not really a fair comparison, right? Because you've got them defensively biting versus um, intentionally envenomating a prey object to eat, right? Well, well, that's where envenomation rates come in. And, you know, for the eastern brown snake, it's as low as 20 to 40%. Whereas, you know, some other snakes have a lot higher envenomation rates. Like if you take the coastal taipan, it's got a higher envenomation rate, probably about 80% of the time it'll, it'll envenom. Um, because it has such, it has longer fangs. It has, you know, potentially a three meter long snake. You, you've got these highly capable snakes with different um, tools at their availability to, to bite and envenom. So, you know, that's just one of the many, many, many factors. Then, then you've got the human factors as well. Like, was that person wearing long pants? Yeah. Which type of snake bit them? How long is the fangs of the snake? Um, what was the situation? Was a person standing on the snake and the snake got to bite multiple times before they, they removed their foot from the snake? You know, there's, there's so, so many factors when you're talking about how dangerous a snake is. And what I'm trying to point out here is simply testing a venom, a bunch of snakes venom on mice does not correlate to how dangerous a snake is. There are way, way too many factors to actually just quantify it. If we were to look at how dangerous certain snakes are, we just probably need to look at what snakes are responsible for the most deaths in Australia, what snakes are encountered the most, um, and what snakes bite people the most. They're probably the three things that you would sort of quant- uh, use to quantify how dangerous a snake is. One of the things I wanted to mention was that it's funny with the Sydney funnelweb spider, for, for instance, it is one of the two deadly Australian spiders. In fact, I, I don't know when the last person to die of a red 
a redback spider bite was probably 50 years ago, but funnel webs kill, you know, one person every decade or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But the ironic thing is that we're only susceptible to funnel web venom because of a mutation that primates got in their DNA to do with, I think, sodium channels and stuff inside of the, you know, inside of their bodies. But if, if a dog or a cat gets bitten by a funnel web, nothing happens because exactly. they're completely immune to it. So if you were to measure them, or it could be mice as well, if you were yeah. to measure them as being the, um, you know, the, the test animal, you'd be like, oh, man, funnel webs are harmless. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, or if you picked their preferred prey, yeah, they, insects, they, yeah. They, they would be so much more toxic. And because you know, we're testing these snake venoms on mice and we don't have the same genetic makeup as a mouse, it's very hard to say that, um, you know, this snake is more venomous than that snake. And really... It's, it does seem weird that they're using the prey item of the, of the, ve- yeah. the um, snake. It's yeah. like the, the venom was specifically designed to kill this animal. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Evolution has made sure that venom has evolved specifically to kill the mouse. And then you test toxicity on a bunch of snakes that, you know, generally prey on mice, that's probably a good way to compare snakes that prey on mice. It's probably but not a good way to compare. Out. Yeah, but not extrapolate out to, oh, this is how this is, this venom is going to be deadly to humans. So it's, it's, it's just sort of hearsay when it comes to the media getting hold of it and saying, oh, Australia has... The, the nine out of the 10 top deadliest snakes in the world or 20 out of the top 25. When you hear that, it's, that test comes from an outdated test performed on mice and it's only for academics to, to get a level playing field to, to test venoms. And, yeah, when you start saying how dangerous a snake is, it's, it's just, just hype. So the best thing people can do is learn what highly venomous snakes or dangerously venomous snakes live in their area and then work out ways to avoid those animals, live cohesively with them. You know, having a snake catcher's number in your phone yeah. it is what, and, and a first aid kit and knowing first aid, they're two things that every Australian can do to greatly minimise the risk of dying from a snake. And probably their stress. <laughs> and, and their stress as well. Because so, you know what to do. You've got a plan, right? You've got a plan. If there's a, a death adder inside your house, don't just freak out and burn the place down. <laughs> just call someone. And it's, it's, it's a reactionary problem. So people kind of, unless they're living in an area where they regularly see snakes and they've either learnt to, to deal with them or yeah. some people out there that believe they need to eliminate them. But unless it's one of those problems for the average Australian, it's just going to surprise them. So if I can sort of get education and awareness out there to, hey, have your local snake catcher in your phone. Even if you see an animal that you think looks like a snake, take a photo if you can, send it to your local snake catcher. He'll identify for you and go, oh, it's a legless lizard. You've got nothing to worry about. You know, we've got over 45 species of legless lizard in Australia and so many of them get the, the their heads chopped off or cut in half or killed or whatever because... So many people just fear and misunderstand animals that they don't know enough about. So, uh, it is sad to think about all those poor legless lizards. They're just trying to warm up. They're like, I've got no fangs, I've got no venom, I've got no weapons. Don't kill me, bro. <laughs> yeah, legless lizards, you know, non venomous snakes. Um, you know, only about half of our terrestrial species are venomous you know you've then got only about 40 of those species that are dangerously venomous then you can dwindle that down to about 10 species that have actually caused a human fatality so when people hear oh australia has two over 200 species of snakes 
if they don't know what I've just said, they might be way more petrified of these animals than they really need to be. So education and awareness, it's, it's, it's so important, A, for the conservation of the species and B, just to help people. So, again, that's what these articles that I'm doing and, and these documentaries that I'm doing are, are designed to do is conserve the animals, you know, not take it out on them and come back to helping people as well. Well, and they have an important role. I remember, I can't remember where I would have learned it or saw it, but I, I'd heard about how in certain places where, you know, you're farming, if you take out all the snakes, you can end up with rodent problems. And if if you uh, th- allow snakes to thrive, they're not necessarily a problem for your cattle, your crops, your sheep, your family, but they'll deal with rats and mice on the farm or the property that would otherwise be a significant problem to infrastructure, buildings, your crops, whatever it is. So it's a kind of yeah. delicate balance. And if you just freak out, um, you know, with snakes and, and try and remove them from the equation, you can actually lead to a great deal more harm to yourself and others uh, yeah. indirectly, right? Right. 